0: I'm Stephen Falla and you're listening to Pipe and Drape, the only podcast that spotlights the creative minds behind the Theatre for Young Audiences industry. Every two weeks, I sit down with a children's theatre professional to hear their stories about the audition, rehearsal, and development process of Theatre for Young Audiences. Each of them have bridged the path from youth to adulthood while living in worlds created for children. My guests have mounted shows small enough to fit in a minivan to productions so big they travel by caravan. You can join the conversation by emailing pipeanddrapestories@gmail.com at gmail.com or messaging pipeanddrapestories on Instagram. This is episode seven of Pipe and Drape. This Pipe and Drape story focuses on the challenge of adapting short stories for children into an hour long small cast musical. My guest directed and co-wrote a massive collaboration between some of his favorite writers for a new TYA show to tour out of New York City. You'll find out all about the writing and creating process for TYA in this episode. Thank you for listening with me today. Today's guest is writer, actor, director Marcus Stevens. Marcus embodied Manny Patinkin and other legends in recent off-Broadway versions of Forbidden Broadway, both Alive and Kickin' and Comes Out Swingin', performances that received praise of sheer genius and comparison to Hirschfeld's caricature brilliance from the Associated Press and New York Times, respectively. You've also seen Marcus on stage with York Theatre Company, Pittsburgh CLO, and all the other theaters in Pittsburgh, Walnut Street Theater, and Mandy, many more. In addition to singing Sweet Mandy Nothings into Your Earbuds, Marcus provided the lyrics and stories to a number of musicals, including Mythic, which premiered in London in 2019, the Richard Rogers Award winning musical Red, Yo Vikings, and Live and Let Spy, created and recorded via Zoom during the COVID 19 pandemic. He directed and developed the tour of Dragon's Love Tacos and other stories, concerts, musicals and on top of all of this, he shares his creative gifts as a teacher and coach. Marcus is a director and educator with Upper Darby Summer Stage, which is how he and I met. Marcus shared the stage with fellow New York personalities Brie Loudermilk and Josh Young at Strathaven High School, which is also my alma mater. For years I had seen his face in posters on the walls of my high school's art swing and I finally had the opportunity to work with him after I graduated first as a coach then a director and today Marcus is joining me from his New York apartment to discuss his work adapting and directing Dragon's Love Tacos and other stories Marcus welcome
1: Thank you for that amazing intro it makes me makes makes me feel so so good about myself <laughs> Thank you. It's so great to be here.
0: I'm very glad to have you uh, because you are actually the first director writer that I am interviewing for this.
1: That's exciting. That's cool.
0: Yeah. So when you were a kid, what did you want to be when you grew up?
1: When I started out thinking about what I wanted to be when I grew up, when I was like in elementary school, I wanted to be an animator. Like I wanted to basically be like the next Walt Disney. Um, I used to like draw things now that i look back at that it's like i wanted to tell stories essentially and then i discovered theater and there was really like no turning back and i was interested in a lot of things at a very young age like i was performing all the time in middle school shows and young people's theater workshop which was a program in the area and upper derby summer stage but i was also really interested in writing i used to like pour over these Sondheim coffee table books that I got for my bar mitzvah and like stuff like that. And I was interested in set design. Like I was just interested in theater in general. I think when I got to high school, I sort of narrowed my view and said, I want to be an actor, but I got to college and I couldn't stop writing while I was studying acting. So I've now come to this place where I'm like, I'm really glad that I didn't pigeonhole myself. I just kind of wanted to be a storyteller. I tell stories in a lot of different ways.
0: <laughs> Strathhaven now has a class, Advanced Studio Theater, which is the student-run productions. And so that actually started with your independent study when you were in high school and you had directed, put together a production of The Fantastics. Was that your first experience running <laughs> running the show? Yeah, I
1: think so. I, I'm, I remember being really, really interested in sort of like creating something from the ground up and collaborating with all of my friends to make something. I had a student choreographer and a student music director and a student orchestra pit. And it was so amazing that john Shankweiler who ran the the program over there, you know, it was so amazing that he like, actually was like, yeah, sure, you can do that. And I feel so honored that that turned into a class and like is now A staple at the school.
0: Yeah, I I took that class every year in high school. That was like an additional two shows I did every year just because I was I was taking this class where we had 80 minutes a day to work on something, um, which was really cool because I found as a kid growing up like theater was like my escape. Do you remember seeing theater in your elementary school growing up?
1: Oh, sure. Yeah. I remember a couple of like touring groups coming through. And I remember sitting in the, the, the main room, whatever that is, the cafe gymatorium and, and watching these, these things. And I remember, and I remember being so fascinated by the people performing. And I remember I was so excited in third grade because we did like a musical or like third grade class. And I remember thinking like, oh, I'm going to be like those people that come to our school and and do, and do these plays.
0: How did you get involved with adapting and directing Dragon's Love Tacos and other stories with theater works in the city?
1: You had mentioned in your introduction to me, I'd written Red with Brie Loudermilk. When she was in, she was like a senior in high school and I was in college. And essentially, as you said, theater is an escape. And I did not want to go to college parties. And so I stayed home and wrote a musical um <laughs> and it was a good excuse to be like I, I can't come out tonight i i'm i'm writing really it was like it was just something to keep me occupied and we were very lucky that point park produced the first production of that show and we just happened to like we submitted to a bunch of things and we won the richard rogers award which were like i didn't even know what the richard rogers award was when we won it and that sort of really sort of catapulted my interest in like, oh, well, maybe I can do this professionally too. Like, maybe I can be a writer. Bree and I had also written a show for Summer Stage that was a TYA show called Elliot in the Magic Bed, which was like a totally original thing. It was an amazing opportunity that uh, Harry Dietzler at Upper Every Summer Stage gave us to like commission a show of ours. And the thing that got me to the city finally was that I got into the BMI workshop, which is basically a a workshop for writers who are interested in writing musicals that's where i met one of my other collaborators sam wilmot who i wrote this show yo vikings with for summer stage also but but essentially we were like oh well we should take yo vikings and get some professional theater to do it and so that was my first introduction to theaterworks usa we like had a meeting with Barbara Pasternak over there to to present to her Yo! Vikings. And Barbara really liked Yo! Vikings, but she was like, it's not, a, it's not a known title. It's not a show that is gonna sell as well. But she and I kept in touch over the years. She saw a piece that I directed in the New York Fringe Festival. And she was like, I think you'd be really good to direct this new thing that I'm developing. And she brought me in to to have a meeting about that. And it ended up that she was like, it's this anthology piece that's like a bunch of children's books. I think she had like one or two of those books already adapted into like these like 10, 15 minute pieces. And then she was like, but the other ones haven't been written yet. And I haven't been able to find somebody to write it. And I was like, well, I could write it. And she remembered that I had written Yo Vikings and she was like, oh, I, I loved that piece. Yeah, what yeah, why don't you write it? <laughs> um, so I ended up sort of being a multi-hyphenate on that production, which was that I that I wrote and directed. So I sort of wrote two-thirds of the show and and directed the piece.
0: The show had. It a lot of people involved. It was, it was, it looks like a massive like collaboration. Um, some of the other writers, it's like Brendan Milburn, Janet Allard, Sam Salmond, uh, Mark Sonnenblick, Ben Wexler, uh, J- Joe kanosian and Brie Loudermilk uh, teaming up again. Uh, and so uh, were all of these writers in the room with you when you were were working on this? Or was it all just kind of everyone divides and conquers the little bits of the show?
1: There was maybe one or two times throughout the process where all the writers were there. This show was four or five different books. And so each writing team was sort of given a book. You know, I was asked to write Dragons Love Tacos, which I got my friend Joe Knozian to write with me, who I met at BMI. Joe also wrote um, Murder for Two. We couldn't figure out how we were going to connect the stories. A lot of times when they do these anthology shows for for theater works, they just sort of like do an opening number and it feels sort of review-like, and I really didn't want it to feel that way. And we came across this other New York Times bestseller book called Interrupting Chicken, which is basically about this like chicken that's being this little chicken whose dad is reading her bedtime stories to go to bed, but she keeps interrupting the stories because she knows what's going to happen. And we were like, oh, well, what if that's like the opening sequence? And then the rest of the show is them reading these other stories. And so there are these two characters that sort of have an arc and go through the whole thing. And so Barbara was like, I love that. That's a great idea. Let's have you write that sort of arc. And because we were having different writers write different pieces to give, so that each story had its own sound and its own sort of vernacular, we didn't want me and Joe to write the opening sequence and Dragons Love Tacos because we wanted the opening to have its own, the opening and the sort of like connective tissue to have its own sound and its own feeling. And I was like, well, I'll call Brie the beginning of it was we did a developmental workshop where we sort of spent a couple of, we we would spend like a couple of days on each individual sort of chunk in individual story. And we'd work on that story with those writers. And we brought in a bunch of actors and and sort of like developed each individual story. And then we eventually started like piecing the whole thing together. And then we did a, sort of a workshop slash mini tour in New York City later that year. I believe that there were like maybe two times throughout that where like everyone was there.
0: How is it writing a show where you know, okay, I have 50 minutes to tell this story or these five stories. I have this many actors and I know that the show has to fit in a van. Given those parameters did that have a big effect on how you chose to build this piece
1: absolutely yeah I mean one of the things that I love about the theater is that there are certain things that you can get away with on stage that you can't get away with in any other medium and that is that theater is the only is the only place where you can you know the example that you can always point to is like Peter and the Star Catcher, where you can hold up a piece of rope and say this is a door and the audience will fill in the rest of the you know they will use their imagination and fill in the rest i love that sort of sense of play and that sort of scrappiness about tya and it's probably because i grew up doing things like summer stage and creating the fantastics with uh, you know with no budget um with my friends you know is that theater is the most fun for me when it when it is scrappy, when it is like, let's figure this out. How do we make magic out of, you know, this cardboard box that we have? My son is almost four now. And that's literally what he does, is that he will find a cardboard box, and it becomes like seven different things. And, you know, it is such a great lesson to us as theater makers, because it's like, especially when you're making a show for kids, is that if their imaginations can do that with a cardboard box, it's like, we have to be, put ourselves in that place and say like, how do I make, how do, how do I make these five locations out of this one set and, and make it so that it feels magical? I was really into this idea of, of it really feeling like just five actors running around and playing with various found objects to sort of make magic you know with us using our imagination as an audience and then and then sort of being the facilitators of that um so the whole thing was created with that in mind because we knew what the limitations were um but those limitations often are what make the show you know the best that it can be i think the fun of it was figuring out like how can we make this feel cohesive but also feel like we're surprising you at every turn. And we're, you know, we're taking something very small and making something very big out of it.
0: So as a director, what did you do uh, to get your actors to tap into that imagination, creative world uh, to get on board with that? There's a lot of times theater works that actors are fresh out of college and they've just studied Meisner or Chekhov or whatever. And then they're jumping into this world where everything's moving like this. And uh, and there's a lot of endowing uh, just set wise to to make things work. So so what was your approach to that um, with with these actors? With those
1: young adults, you know, one thing that I was very careful to do in auditions was sort of try and create a very sort of warm environment where they felt free to play and where it didn't feel like I was judging them on anything, that it was literally just like, hey, let's experiment with some stuff. What could this police officer who loves to eat toast talk like? You know, what what is this character like? What is this, you know? <laughs> um, and we would like play in the room. You know, I really tried to sort of create that environment and the people that were willing to sort of really play with me were the people that that we ended up using because we felt like that was the atmosphere that we wanted to set up. And and I did remind them because I think you're right that especially with young actors who have just studied serious theater in college, um, you know, serious with a capital S, you do have to remind them that you know, it, the same techniques that you use, like, like everything that you do has to be authentic, right? So you know, when it's insincere and it's over the top, it, it doesn't work. But if it's over the top and it's sincere, then, then it is, it's great. A lot of it is just about changing the size of things. A lot of young actors want to keep things so small and so tight and so, so, so as to be real. It's not real to 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 mumble. Just change the size of what you're thinking about. I did continually talk about because that was sort of the idea behind this was that I did continually talk about like when we are kids and we we're playing imaginary games in our room, we believe every second of it is you know what I mean like we are we are we are fully committed to the game. you know, I remember like playing with my sister and we would like be secret spies, or we'd be pirates, or we'd be whatever, and like you're fully committed. But there's also this sense of play where you're like, oh, let's change this, it's gonna be this now. I continually sort of tried to remind them that some of the sincerest form of acting is is that imaginative play when you're a kid, and that that's, this is what we wanna create in this setting, is that we want these kids to see themselves in you. You know, we want them to sort of go like, oh, yeah, right. That's what I do at home. One of the big goals that I had with the show is that I wanted to, I wanted it to be very clear that the actors were actually having fun with each other while they were doing it, that there's also this element of like, we're the performers and we're enjoying the telling.
0: What kind of discoveries did you and your team make during the process, either uh, workshopping the show, uh, working on your mini tour or with the first cast?
1: When you get in in front of an audience of kids, you can tell when they are getting restless. Like, you know, when you've stayed too long at the farm and you need to tighten it up, you learn the pacing that is that is needed. You know, you, you sort of learn that from, from an audience of kids. You don't ever need to talk down to kids at all. Because sometimes you think like, oh, they're gonna love this, this is so funny. And they are like, they, and they get restless and you're like, okay, we've got to shorten that. And then you think, oh, this is, this is like really like sincere and like, you know, weighted and they're not gonna, they're not gonna pay attention I and mean, they did, You know, so I think um, that's always, that's always a learning curve with with kids, I think. You never know what they're gonna get out of those things. and. The best TYA theater is when adults write a story that they that they think that the, you know what I was trying to do with Dragons of Tacos is make something that I would want to watch. When I was a kid like I grew up watching the Muppets and like the Muppets aren't for kids, but like what I got out of it was whatever I got out of it. I had one version of the story in my head but missed all of the like grown-up jokes that were in there. I'm sure. It's always a good idea to write something that You would want to see in the world and it happens to be okay for kids to see as well i think that that makes for good tya theater
0: so what are some things that you have uh taken away from your experience writing and directing material for kids like how how has all of this changed your life as an artist or a dad i think well i've always been attracted to
1: theater for young audiences and stories for kids, because I think it's the purest form of storytelling. Like, I think it is, I don't want to use the word simple, because it's not simple. But it is the most profound sometimes, because there are hardly ever any subplots, you're really focused in on the thematic element of the story that you're telling, you know, with Dragons Love Tacos, like the arc that we decided to go with was that This kid wanted to throw this party for dragons because he wanted friends, but his little sister who was tagging along the whole time, he was sort of like ignoring. And then she ends up like saving the day and helping him figure it out. And then he like realizes that she was there all along, which is very, very simple. But in essence, like if you really focus in on that and you really dig deep into what that is about, that relationship, and and like it's just the most human thing you know it's not talking about weighty ideas it's just talking about very pure deep human emotions which is like the most relatable storytelling you can it's why you know it's why adults love disney movies it's why we're all still so deeply connected to the shows that we did as kids because those stories resonate because they are just so universal. I always gravitate back to that because, you know, I'll write something a little bit more adult that isn't necessarily for a a children's audience. And then I'll always wanna like go back and like refresh, you know, and write another kid's show. (laughs) Sometimes when I write adult pieces, like so mythic is, is an adult piece, but it's based on Greek mythology which is in essence, you know, folk tales, which are what a lot of TYA shows are. And oftentimes when I would get stuck with Mythic, I would go back and say like, what is the TYA version of this? And that would often reveal to me the most important part of like what the scene is supposed to be. Because what you're trying to do when you're reaching kids is like, hit them on this deeply human, emotional level with lots of heart. Like you're just trying to like get straight to the, get straight to the point of like, what is important about what's happening. And so I would always like, when I would get stuck with mythic, I'd be like, what's the TYA version of this? And oftentimes like nine times out of 10, that was the right way to go. And being a dad, it's just like, I mean, I'm just fascinated by my son's imagination. We play these imaginary games. And I think to myself like, gosh, I gotta remember this the next time I'm writing because this is so much more creative than I ever allow myself to be. <laughs> he's just, and it's like, there's no filter. He's just, he's just wild abandoned. He just comes up with stuff. You know what? This this ship does this thing, and this ship does this thing, and this, he doesn't edit himself. And I think that's a great thing for an artist to think about, is that that's, that's exactly what we wanna be able to do.
0: How can our listeners Find out what you're up to. See more of your work. They can go to my
1: website. They can go to marcus-stevens.com. They can look, they can look me up on
0: the Instagram. <laughs> my handle is marcusstevensny. Be sure to check out Marcus's work online and in person. One of his newest shows, Wake Up Daisy, written with collaborator Sam Wilmot, will play at the Swedish Cottage Marionette Theater in Central Park in 2022. Wake Up Daisy is a modern take on Sleeping Beauty, and it's set in New York City. It's a fantasy with marionetted characters from all five boroughs of New York, original music, and flying tacos. You can join the conversation about theater for young audiences and find more Pipe and Drape content, including photos, quotes, and TYA news on Instagram at Pipe and Drape Stories. And please be sure to rate and review Pipe and Drape wherever you listen to podcasts. Each star given a review submitted helps future listeners find the show. Be sure to tune in every other Tuesday to hear Theatre for Young audiences' creatives share their Pipe and Drape stories. Pipe and Drape is created and hosted by Stephen Falla and distributed by Anchor. Artwork for Pipe and Drape was created by Stephen Gordon and music was composed by Stephen Falla. Thank you for listening with me today.